Coming to you from our peaceful prayer room in the heart of New York City, it's the Journey to Eternity podcast, hosted by Louisa and Mike Serignano. In every episode, we are committed to giving God glory by helping Christians use the Word of God to navigate everyday life in a sinful, fallen world. So welcome to the show. I'm Louisa. And I'm Mike. And we are a married Christian couple on a journey Journey to to eternity. So for those of you who don't know us or are new to this podcast, Louisa and I are sinners saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and are members of New Hyde Park Baptist Church in Long Island, New York. However, this is not a church podcast and any opinion or views that we share belong to us and are not reflective of our pastors, elders, or our church in general. Hey, babe, we are back at it. Yeah, only a short break in between. How nice. (laughs) Sometimes a small tweak will do wonders. Yeah, and you know, I was thinking about the last episode, honey. I felt a freshness between us that seemed to be missing, and that is necessary when we're dealing with God's Word. And as I look back on the topic of biblical illiteracy, we missed a few things that we could have added. So we'll just do it now. And one thing I really wanted to stress is that you can study the Bible by listening to it. I'm not talking about listening to sermons, although they're very helpful, but I'm talking about listening to the actual scripture itself. There are so many Bible phone apps that have audio versions. Get one. Play it in the car when you're driving. Play it in the kitchen while you're cooking. Play a passage and then think about it. Then play it again and think about it. Wash, rinse, and repeat. You're going to be surprised about how much you're going to learn and retain. And I want to talk to the women here. You really need to study as an individual, ladies. Single or married, it doesn't matter. The narrow gate is one at a time, so you better know it on your own. For a married woman, your husband can't carry you into eternity. It's okay to be led by him, but you can be just as strong in your wisdom as him. So if you are resting on your laurels, get off the bench and into the game. Amen, honey. (laughs) So thank you to all who left us a comment. We got quite a few on that episode. And if you missed that episode, please go to jtepodcast.org and click on the archives page for a listing of all of our previous episodes. And that's jtepodcast.org. Amen. So on to episode 36. And today we're going to talk about communion and the Lord's Supper. That is a very sacred subject, and it's one that is often misunderstood and one that you might be taking for granted. But all that can have consequences. So we'll tackle this subject with the reverence it deserves. But before we get started, let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died upon the cross. Help us to understand your table and the true meaning behind it. We thank you for Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. May the Holy Spirit guide us as we navigate this sensitive topic. In the name of your Son, we pray. Amen. So in this episode, we're going to explain what communion is, who should participate in it, and the consequences of taking it for granted. Let's get right into it with some scripture. In Luke chapter 22 and verses 19 through 20, we are introduced to the first celebration of the Lord's Supper. Ironically, it takes place at the Passover meal the night before Jesus would die on the cross. 
Jesus is with his disciples, and this meal marks the beginning of Christianity as we know it today. Luke 22, verses 19 to 20, it reads, And he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, gave it to them, and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So right away, we see that Jesus commands us to take communion. He says, do this in remembrance of me. Do this. That's not an option. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not. (laughs) So let's look at the distinction between the Lord's Supper and the Lord's Table. People use those terms interchangeably. And while it's not totally wrong, there are some differences that we should know. So the first is the Lord's Table. Now, in Scripture, that's a symbolic term for the word fellowship. So, babe, what happens when we get converted is God brings us to his table. And we get that right away. That's a one-time event. Once you give yourself to the Lord, you're at his table. But I wonder how many people know this. I don't know about that. The the fellowship part. Right. That's the key. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people mistake it as communion. Right. So the Lord's Supper in Scripture is a meal to commemorate the death of Christ. You know, I was raised Catholic, Mm -hmm. and I remember remember our first Holy Communion. That was... um, I, I was seven years old, and in second grade, I mean, what did I know about God did at that point? Did you remember that, really? I, well, I don't really remember the event, mm-hmm. but I remember what we had to go through. So now picture yourself, you're in second grade, you don't have any idea what you're doing. Right. And they put you through this whole ritualistic procession, and it's a lot of pomp and circumstances. I had to wear a suit. I was seven years old, I had to wear a suit. I, I hated that. <laughs> How uh, uncomfortable <laughs> you must have been with that suit on at seven. Uh, I think they I were, know you hate suits now. <laughs> well, all the girls had to wear like little wedding dresses. It was really like... Uh, it was a big deal, okay, in, in the Catholic Church. But the Catholic way of looking at communion is much different than the Christian way because for the Catholics, what they do is in every Mass, they sacrifice Jesus. In other words, they, they crucify him again every time. And because again, and they, again, Yeah, and again. every Mass is a re-sacrifice of, of Jesus. And the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says that Christ, he died once, for our sins. Mm -hmm. And it says that a couple of different times. It's really important to know that it's really just a meal that we do as a fellowship that just, it commemorates the death of Christ. So the supper is contained within the table, but technically it's not the same. Again, like I said before, when you get converted, the Lord brings his people to the table, but his supper is actually something that we partake of. Mm -hmm. The table is a continuous fellowship, and the supper is a weekly or monthly remembrance. Now, our our church does it every month. There are some churches that do it more often. I don't think there's any rule to say how often you would do it, but Mm -hmm. uh, our church does it on the first Sunday of of every month. Again, you can see the difference between Christians and Catholics, and then you can also see the difference between the terms, the Lord's Supper, and the Lord's Table. Mm -hmm. Now, it certainly is possible for us to dishonor the Lord's Supper and 
in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 21, Paul warns the church about this. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot share in the Lord's table and the table of demons. Right. So what the Bible is telling us here is to not be double-minded. Right. We are identified with all the value of the sacrifice of Christ before God, and we should refuse everything that is not according to him. And that's everything. Right. That's Uh It's the world. Right. So we can't have fellowship with the Lord and have fellowship with Satan at the same time. Are we showing up for communion on Sunday after having a week with the evils of the world? (laughs) The two certainly don't mix. They sure don't. In the early church, the Corinthians turned the Lord's Supper into a drunken, gluttonous party. And the point is to honor God in how we approach both his table and his supper. Mm-hmm. Let's face it, babe. We all mix in with the world during the week. We sure do. Okay. okay. There's nobody that walks in there and they're just... Nobody's walking into the church perfectly and pristinely. Yes. Okay. So I think it's important to know that how we come to the table and how we come to his supper, we have to come right. Right. And... It means being really aware of what's going on in our life during the week, the people we hang out with, people at our job, the sin that we commit. All of us us commit a lot of sin during the week. Uh All of us probably commit sin on the way to church, especially on Communion Sunday. How many times have we walked in there not right? And I think that people really have to understand how important this communion is when you walk in. Yeah. I I mean, you walk into the church and you see the, the, the table set up in the front there with all the elements on it. You know that you have to get right before you can take it. And that brings us to our next point. Who should partake of the Lord's Supper? Some churches practice a radically open communion, which they might call open table in an attempt to be fully inclusive. They invite anyone and everyone to participate in the communion, regardless of the spiritual standing or evidence of open sin. Now, this is something that happens a lot. So who benefits from this, baby? Nobody does. Right. Uh, Certainly not the people taking it. Uh So if you think about, there's a lot of false churches out there. There's a lot of churches that preach the wrong gospel. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people, uh, I'm sorry, a lot of churches that uh, are very much they they cater to unbelievers. Yeah. Okay. So when you have a house full of unbelievers and you have communion, that's a bad combination. When you say fully inclusive, we're talking about people who are not believing, people who are in open sin. A lot of uh, church or people not knowing what's the meaning of communion. Right. Nobody has talked to them. About right. It. So you know, you come with somebody to church and you know that person is not safe. I think. We as as believers should really have that conversation with yes. them before we let them sit there and, you know... Think it's okay to take it's, it. It's okay to take it. Right. Mm-hmm. So a lot of churches do place some restrictions on who could take communion. Uh, most require at least a profession of faith in Christ. Now, all churches like that. They require that the recipient be in good standing in the church, that he or she is not living in unrepentant sin. Again, when your church is hosting a lot of unbelievers, and I'm not just talking about visitors that come uh, uh, you know, on a Sunday to check out the church. I'm talking about churches that openly allow the unbelieving world to take center stage in their church. There's a, a big problem there when people are living in sin during the week, maybe couples who aren't married, maybe there's the LGBTQ crowd in there. Uh, those people shouldn't be taking communion because they're clearly being dishonorable to God and then 
taking communion. It, and this is what yeah. I love about our pastors. You know, they, they, they say, you're not a believer, you don't have a, a relationship with Jesus right. Christ and passes by. And I think that that's important. And the other thing we can talk about is, they say you're not in, in, in unrepentant sin. You should be confessing before you take communion. But we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit uh, later in the, in the episode. It also his says that some churches require baptism prior to taking communion, and some require official church membership. Now, I don't think our church does that. I can't say 100% sure, but our church does ask you to, to be a believer. Right. So, uh, I again... I don't know. I think it's the integrity of the person. Exactly. Exactly. I don't think there's any set rule. Right. That they they, they have unrepentant sin or that they're not saved or whatever it is. You know whether you you are or not. So either you pass it by or you take it and you don't understand the importance and the seriousness of it all. In the Gospel of John, chapter 6 and verse 56, our Lord Jesus gives us a foretaste of who is worthy to partake. Now that reads... The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day, because my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. The Lord's Supper, or communion, is born out of the union with Christ. Only those in union with Christ have fellowship with him. They're at the table. They share in his body and his blood, and are consequently united to him. The unconverted have no fellowship with Christ. That's why they they shouldn't be taking it. And again, you know whether, you personally know whether you're a believer or not. Like you said before, your integrity comes into play there. Christ abides in the true believer, but he does not abide in those who reject him. But how do we know who is a true believer or who is not? Amongst the professing Christians, we really can't separate the wheat from the tares. Right. They sit in the church side by side, looking and sounding the same, and they take communion along with everyone else. Now, here's a very important point. Mm-hmm. We are not to judge, okay? We are not to sit around and look at who comes into the church and who's sitting there, and uh, only God knows who right, is so if one you of sit his. around and you do that in a church, that means check your own heart, okay? Right. <laughs> At that moment when you're thinking about somebody else sitting next to you, wondering if they're saved or not. Right, so, that's not ours to do. No, Okay, no. and it's very important because people can get judgmental, yeah. and people can look around and say, oh, they're not saved, why are they doing that, you know? And that's, that's a sin in itself. Right. So right away, we have to go and confess that, and we have to worry about our own walk and our own our <laughs> You know, own I always stuff. tell you, babe, I stay focused on my own yeah. walk, okay? Because I, be, I can't really stress anybody else's mind is hard enough for me. So I try to stay really just steady, focused, because that's now, what God expects us to do. <laughs> now, here's something you brought up before. Sometimes we invite someone to church who is clearly not a believer. If this is a communion Sunday, what are we supposed to do? Like we, I said, yeah. we have to have that conversation right. with them. Now, don't wait for like the moment when it's happening. Like, don't wait for when they're passing the elements around to say, hey, you know, you shouldn't take that. I mean, what have I yeah. done with, with our grandchildren? Yeah. Okay, I've had the conversation mm-hmm. with them. And so they know. They know, so they won't even ask if they can take it or they mm-hmm. will take it because I've had the conversation with them. Right, but it's, it's you can't just say, hey, you're not a believer, you shouldn't take no. this. You have to explain to them, first of all, what communion is, right. why it's, only, it's important for only believers to take it, 
and then, you know, encourage them to trust in the Lord and believe in the gospel, but discourage them from participating until they do. Again, our pastors will have that conversation during uh. communion to say, hey, listen, you know, if, if you're not, let this pass you by. But they also want to have them come and see you afterwards to say, okay, how can we help you to trust and believe in the Lord? Right. So, uh, bring, again, I, yeah. I talk about our young children. This is a tough one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As parents or grandparents, we know how our young ones are. We know them better than anyone. Right. Okay. And we know who's saved and who's not amongst our children and amongst our grandchildren. Whether our grandchildren come to church or not, we know that they right. haven't made a, a true profession, and they should not be taking communion. Right, and, and we, we should not allow right. them to participate unless we have a profession of faith. And we have to take the blinders off and thinking that our kids are saved when they haven't shown any evidence of it. Some people deceive themselves out of pride, and they end up actually letting their kids sin. Yeah, okay? and again, who benefits? Nobody, nobody. Nobody benefits from that. And God is not glorified. Right. So ultimately... What is the best way to handle all of this as an individual? Now, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 27 to 29, and it gives clear instruction to all of us on how to come to the Lord's Supper. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself. In this way, let him eat the bread and drink from the cup. For whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. Okay? <laughs> Amen. Okay. <laughs> so Pauling is telling us right here that it is a sin to take communion in an unworthy manner. So we have to examine our hearts. Every time we come into church, we should come in confessing. Just as a rule, walk into that door clean. Sit in your car before you get into the house and say, all right, Lord, forgive me of these sins. These are my sins. Please allow me to come into mm -hmm. your presence clean. At the beginning of the service, after the first two songs in our church, we have a, a time of confession. Okay, there's another good opportunity for you to get yourself right. And then there are just questions that we have to answer honorly. Hon honestly. Honestly. Uh -huh. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> before we partake. Honestly, babe. <laughs> <laughs> there are questions we have to answer honestly right. before we partake in communion. Mm -hmm. So the, the big one is, do we really trust and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Do we understand what he endured leading up to that cross? That he was condemned and tortured for our sins. That he took our place and died a most horrific death. And that he did all of that. All of for us. Oh, most people, again, they, they don't really understand what he did. When right. you read the accounts in the Gospels of when Jesus uh, was, you know, the trials and the beatings and the, the, what, the bloodshed, all the stuff everything. that he had to go mm -hmm. through to just to forgive us of our sins. That's why he says, do this in remembrance of me. Right. Okay. It, it's so, it's so important to have that understanding. And if you don't have that understanding, I, I just want you to, Get the gospel right, right. And, and be able to understand exactly what Christ did for us. Another question is, do we have unresolved sin? And I think we should really sit with ourselves and answer that honestly as well. Okay, we know when we have unresolved sin. Oh, we sure okay? do. That's why every day I tell you, search your heart. Yeah, have we not taken our sin to the Lord? Right. And it's not 
not only confessing it, but we have to turn from it. Mm -hmm. We have to like really be sickened by our sin and say, Lord, take this away from me. I mean, I have sin in my life and I sit there and, and, oh Lord, I hate this. I hate my sin. Really, please Mm -hmm. Lord, please relieve me of this, this burden that I have of my sin. And, and when you do that, the Lord will help you. He's going to, he's going to take care of that for you. We're never going to be perfect until we're glorified, Mm -hmm. but just Every day, like every day is every, confession. confession every day, day is every yeah. day, and we're going to do a whole episode on that mm-hmm. at some point on confession and repentance. But it's so important before you have communion that we could fool ourselves and we could fool the church, but we're not fooling God. Amen. And to take part in communion as an unbeliever or as a Christian living in sin is really hypocrisy. And it also invites chastening from the Lord. For an unbeliever to take communion in a lack of faith is going to further separate them from God's mercy and grace. And for a believer with unrepentant sin, it could result in God's corrective discipline. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 30, it says, This is why many are sick and ill among you, and many have fallen asleep. Ha! Fallen asleep is another way of saying dead. Right. Okay. Paul is telling us that this is a really serious matter. We need to come right before God when receiving the Lord's Supper. Taking communion is a beautiful, holy, and sacred reminder of what Jesus did for the sake of the world. We must take communion in a spirit of humility. And that's the key, the humility part, you know? Just be humble. Right. Just know that God did this for you. We had no part in any of our salvation. We had no part uh, we'd be still be wretched, awful sinners. Dead we in still our sins, are still right? dead in our sins. And when we come to the Lord's table, we must do so in reverence, as we cherish just how far God went to save us through His mighty act of love, sovereignty, and grace through His Son Jesus. And I love the way our church handles communion. Yeah. I remember the first communion Sunday that we had in New Hyde Park. The elements were set up. The table was beautiful. The elders have such there's order. The Mm -hmm. elders take a they have a process of doing this, and you could just see in in the pastors how how they reverence the the whole the whole communion. Mm -hmm. It's just it's such a a beautiful time, and and I'm I'm really grateful to God that that He's shown us that you know how He wants us to deal with this, and if by chance today you're listening and you're not a believer. We invite you to consider the good news that God sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross so that the sins of all those who believe would be forgiven. He was buried, and on the third day, he was raised from the grave to conquer death so that one day we as believers would also conquer death and have eternal life in him. God's word in Romans 10.13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We urge you to call on him today. And then you're free to take communion. (laughs) Let's pray, sweetheart. Oh, gracious Father, all we have is our worship and thanks for you. Thank you for the wisdom and the understanding you gave us in this episode. Thank you for opening the hearts of our listeners to receive what they have heard and to understand fully about the Lord's Supper. We thank you for this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, we invite you to tune into our next episode, where Louisa takes center stage as we discuss the role of a Christian woman. And this episode is not only for women. Men have to know what the woman's role is, too. 
We don't want those lines blurred because God has drawn very clear lines. May God bless you and keep you as you navigate everyday life in a sinful, fallen world. Well, that's it, brothers and sisters. The music signals the end of today's episode. Thank you for listening in today. We are grateful for your support. If you enjoyed today's episode, please support us by subscribing to this podcast through our website at jtepodcast.org. While you are at the website, please leave us a comment or question and check out our social media pages. Again, that's jtepodcast.org. So God willing, we will see you right back here next time. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.